Welcome to the CLC podcast. CLC is a Columbus Leadership Campus of Point University located at North Highland Church. CLC exists to equip young leaders and help them unlock their God-given potential through practical ministry training and biblical education. For more information about our school, you can visit our website at clcgeorgia.com. This morning we have a man that is very special to my heart doing chapel this morning. If you do not know, um, my first actual job in ministry was under this guy. I was his intern uh, in youth ministry in Roswell, Georgia. And so it's since then I've always looked up to him, to how he's done ministry, how he loves people, his energy levels. Um, uh, you know, I have high energy, but Johnny, Johnny gets out there too. And so I love that man. So can we get up for Sir Johnny Mendoza this morning? Hey, man. All right. So uh, I'm glad I get to be with you this morning. Um, I actually let's let's just have full uh, disclosure talk time here. Um, so Pastor Justin actually texted me a while back like, hey, would you be interested in speaking at chapel? And this was for last Monday. And um, like a really good leader, I never texted him back. OK. Um, <laughs> That was a sarcastic tone, <laughs> okay, in case you're wondering. That is not what a good leader does. And uh, it just so happened, I can't remember, it might have been that weekend or something that I was like, oh, snap. So I text him like, hey, do you still need somebody? I'm, he's like, actually, we have it covered. But I was like, well, if, if something happens and you need someone, you know, to come in, let me know. So last week, he texted me, he's like, hey, remember how you said that if a spot fills up, you would do it? We have a spot this Monday, so immediately I was like, I'm doing it, it's happening, it's going to be good. So uh, I'm excited that this opportunity opened up and uh, that Justin is gracious and loving and didn't hold it against me that I didn't text him back. Um, and, uh, and I just, I love you guys. I love being here. I love getting to come to chapel. I forgot how great chapel is here. Like, it's been a while since I've been back. Like, there was a season where my wife and I would come out here like, uh, consistently on Monday mornings just because we just needed it. And now I'm, I'm texting her as uh, Pastor Rachel's up there. I'm like, oh, I wish you were here. Like, like she is she is the biggest uh, Rachel Ashley groupie of like anybody. Okay. Like, like when, like, like when she, oh my bad, she's more way. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. My bad, dude. My bad. Listen, I knew her when she was Ashley, bro. Okay. I'm sorry. That's my fault. That's my fault. Old habits. All right. Y'all know about Pastor Rachel. Uh, her and I are nemeses. Okay, uh, back when we back when we were in high school, uh, we uh, both led worship teams. I would led worship for Roswell. She led worship for Calvary uh, during fine arts. And so we uh, we were kind of like spiritual nemeses, but we love each other. And I just want to listen to her music and watch her play violin. Like, is that your life? Like when you guys go home, like she just play the violin. You're just like. <laughs> There you go. But uh, so anyway, we, uh, I love you guys. I love CLC. I love the, the atmosphere here. I mean, you guys, like, you should know something about this. Like, this is, this is rare. This is, not, this is not every day. This is not what other schools of ministry are doing. Like, don't be like, oh, this is just a, a norm. This isn't a norm. Like, the fact that you guys dive in and when the Spirit of the Lord shows up, you're not quick to run away from it and move to the next thing. You know, something that the Lord's really just kind of been impressing on me with our students on Wednesday night is we get so quick to move on to the next thing. And I think, the, one, the reason we do that is because of just 
consistency and we're just like we get so program minded that we just go to that next thing but I think also there's a spiritual thing that's in there where we're like we're afraid to dwell too much in his presence because the longer the light shines on us the sooner we're gonna he's something's gonna have to change in us right and so we're like hold on hold on something's gonna try to like mess up my flow mess up what my normal day and what I'm what I'm doing so I need to get out of this presence quick before the Lord asks like calls me to something you know I better get out of this presence before he makes me be a missionary in China or something you know I need to get out of this thing and so like really just taking that time and not neglecting that presence allowing him to actually do something in that time is powerful so don't run away from that and you guys aren't and so I love that I love that you guys are doing that, and uh, I love Pastor Jonathan, I love Jubilee, like y'all are, you, you, yeah, I just love, I'm just gushing love all over the place right now, like uh, Jonah is awesome, I told Jonah because of Fine Arts Week, in honor of Fine Arts Week, uh, I would uh, be judging his drums uh, this morning, I'm a drummer, and so I said, uh, Jonah, you will be adjudicated, uh, and so uh, Jonah, I would like to just give you a superior with invitation. Uh, on your, and you know what? I'm going to give you merit, buddy. Good job. You got it. You did it. You did it. All right. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you're welcome. I don't have your trophy, okay? Um, but, uh, so yeah, it is Fine Arts Week. Any of you guys involved with Fine Arts? Any of you guys coaching anything? No? Okay, one, two, maybe a few. All right. Um, so uh, we, we are in an interesting Fine Arts season for us. Uh, we we kind of had a uh, 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 neglecting coaches a little bit this year, so I kind of had to, y'all know what I'm talking about? So uh, so I kind of had to step in, and like, so I'm coaching, you know, I'm coaching a large human video, I've got four soloists that I'm coaching, I've got dramas that, I'm, that I had to write scripts for and all this stuff, and so, uh, so that inspired my message this morning, let's talk about weakness, all right? <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about weakness, it's something that, uh, that the Lord just kind of impressed on my heart recently, and uh, I shared a little uh, devotion with our students last night. We actually did a night of worship last night, uh, just kind of getting ready for. Uh, we used to have a really uh, negative term for the, what the week of leading up to fine arts was called. Um, we, we, we used to call it hell week. Okay. <laughs> then it got really bad, and we called it suicide week. And then we're like, wait, that's too much. That's too much. Bring it back. That's, that's too much. Don't do that. Uh, and so now we're trying to like redeem it. We're trying to take it back. And we're like, this is Thrive Week, baby. Like, well, we are just getting ready to really just step into it. So, um, you know, how many of y'all know perspective changes the outcome? You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, uh, trying to change that perspective of, of how we do things. And so, uh, so I wanted to talk to you about uh, weakness. Uh, raise your hand if you, if you have a weakness. Your hand if you have a weakness. That's good. That's good. It's funny how like sometimes when you ask that question and people don't raise their hands, they'll be like, "Oh, the Jesus is in the room." Let's go ahead and let's like look at you and let's let's talk about that. Uh, but um, so we we kind of recognize that we recognize that we all have weakness, and so I wanted to kind of emphasize on that, and just talk about that for for a minute. So I want to look at a just a definition um, and uh, and just kind of listen to this for a second. So this is the definition of a weakness. It's an inadequate or defective quality. So an inadequate or defective quality as in a person's character. Okay, so like a slight fault or a or a defect. And uh, I want to talk to you about uh, about someone named Paul who talked about weakness and, uh, and the opportunity that comes with weakness. 
So uh, if you've got Bibles, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I should have had this spot saved, but I didn't. It's okay. Here we go. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going we're gonna to look at verse 8 through 10, okay? So Paul, Paul goes into this, uh, into this narrative about, about an affliction or a weakness that has come upon him. And, and the way he puts it, he says, this weakness, this affliction has come upon me in order to keep me from being conceited. So he said, this, this weakness has come upon me so that I'm not thinking too full of myself, right? And, uh, and so some people may even read that and they're like, that doesn't seem like the nice, loving, like care bear God that I know, right? Like he is loving, he's encouraging, he's not causing affliction to come upon me, right, in order to teach me a lesson or in order to put me in a certain position. But uh, recently, we, we've going, uh, we're going through a series in our youth ministry. It's been for three months. It ends this week called Sunday School. And what we've uh, been talking about, we've just been going back to, like, those Old Testament big stories that you grew up on, like, on a felt board. Anybody know what a felt board is? Like, all of my people who have been in church since you were, like, a, a fetus, you know, like, you've been, you've been in church. So you've seen a felt board where, you know, they put the big Goliath on there, stick it to the wall, and then the little David, right? And, uh, and so we kind of just wanted to, to go through all of these, these big stories that maybe if you've been in church for, for your whole life, you've heard of, but you always just knew them kind of just like a, a fun story. Uh, or maybe you just have, for people who just hadn't been in church, and they were like, what are you talking about? A dude got eaten by a big fish. What do you, what? Right? So we wanted to go through all of, that's not David and Goliath, by the way, that's Jonah. Okay, so in case somebody was like, he, he's not a very good pastor, he doesn't know the story. Um, so, uh, so we kind of go through all those things and just kind of pull out these, these lessons and stuff. And so, um, so what I want you guys to, to understand is that that's actually something that's very characteristic of God. That many times, especially throughout the Old Testament, when the children of Israel would start to get uh, what in the South people say too big for their own britches. Okay, like when they start uh, uh, feeling themselves a little bit too much, right, start thinking like they have all the strength, they have all the power, right, God would begin to do things, begin to take things away so that the only way they could know that victory was before them was to have full dependence on God. Right, so he did it with Gideon. Right, Gideon was was getting ready to defeat this huge army. So what he what did God do? He just kept taking away soldiers. He kept saying, "Okay, uh, now now dwindle it down to this. Now d- look at how they drink water. The ones who drink water like a dog, yeah, we're gonna use them. Let's go ahead and you know." So he just keeps dwindling and dwindling and dwindling them down to where the only way to explain victory is to realize that God was the one who made it happen. Right. And so that's something that's very characteristic of God. So, uh, so many times we see that God has weakened or has crippled his people for their sake and that they will, so that they would realize that their source of strength and power comes from him. So we see in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, this is what Paul says. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. How many of y'all just walk around and you're like, man, I'm so glad I'm weak. Like you just walk around and you're just like, man, I'm so glad I am inadequate. 
You know, and you're just kind of walking like that's that's a that's a hard thing to kind of to kind of do. But this is what Paul is saying. He's saying that's why I delight in weakness, I delight in insults, I delight in hardships, I delight in persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So we're going to kind of dig a little bit uh, more into into some of this word usage here because I think it's really powerful. So let's pray for a minute, Lord. We just ask that your word, God, would just speak to our hearts in a powerful way. Lord, I thank you for what your word does. God, that it, it, it comes in and it changes us from the inside out. Lord, it divides our, our flesh and spirit. Lord, it gets in there. It gets into all the nooks and crannies of our life. God, to mold us into the children of God you're calling us to be. So, Lord, I pray that today, Lord, your word would resonate in our hearts in a powerful way. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, so this morning, I just want to talk about three reasons God wants weak leaders. There's the three reasons why God wants weak leaders. So immediately you hear that and you're like, that doesn't sound right. I always heard that God wants strong leaders, and he does. But, here's, but before you can be strong, you have to be weak. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit. So the first thing is this. A weak leader does not mean weak leadership. A weak leader does not mean weak leadership. Because you see, weak leaders operate from a place of humility. Weak leaders operate from a place of humility. They recognize that their weakness, they recognize their weakness and realize that a dependence on God is not just a good idea but it's a necessary one. See, we, we oftentimes we look at uh, depending on God as like, you know what, I can call on God when I have a need. But dependence on God isn't simply on when you have a need. Dependence on God is a necessity every second of every day. Like there should never be a moment where you start to step into your own strength so that you can get the job done. But instead, we operate under the, under the knowledge and the understanding that apart from God, I can do nothing, right? That's why Jesus said, Jesus wants us to be grafted into the vine, right? He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, right? And apart from me, you can do nothing. And so it's, it's that knowledge, that understanding. And what that does, that places humility within your own heart, within your own life. And you know, I... So there, there may be times in your life and there may be pastors in this room where you served with uh, larger than life kind of pastors, you know, where it just seems like, you know, the, the pedestal, the strength, there, there's, there's such a lack of weakness on display. But I feel like, and I'm going to get more into this in a minute, I feel like good leaders are not afraid of their weaknesses because they recognize the, the access to power that comes through weakness. So we recognize that a dependence on God isn't just a good idea, it's a necessary one. We need to stop counting on God to make up the difference between what you can and can't do. Okay? So here's what we do. And I've said this before, guys, so I'm, I'm speaking to this from a place of, like, lessons that I'm learning right now. Because I used to always say this, right? I used to say, where my strength ends then God's begins, you know what I'm saying? Like, and we just, we say that and we're like, oh yeah, that sounds spiritual and powerful, you know? But really, that's what you're actually doing is you're robbing yourself of the full power of God. 
right? Because you're saying, okay, I'm going to work, 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 work. That, I was going to do too many works, and that was going to sound like that song, work, 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 work. But anyway, um, so, like, uh, so we work until our strength gives out, and then we're saying, okay, God, now make up the difference in my weakness. But what we don't understand is that when we started this thing out, we were already weak. That if we operate from that place of weakness now, then God can carry you all the way through so that way burnout isn't the time when you start calling on God. And I'm speaking to this from, I'm telling you, I'm speaking to this from a place that, that I'm current, the season I'm currently in right now, where I, I've gotten to this point now where I'm like, okay, God, all right, I need, to, I need to take five, okay, I need to take a breather. I feel like I'm running the mud run right now, okay, like that was death. All right, that was like, I ran the mud run a few years ago and like, I ran. <laughs> oh, that was a lie and the Holy Spirit just checked me on it. It's like, you ran. Uh, I, I uh, moseyed along the mud run. And, uh, and, and listen, I can tell you, you know, you get to these certain parts, you get to these uphill climbs, you get to these places. Oh, can I talk about uphill for a second? Lord. Uh, so I took, uh, we took my son to the zoo uh, this past weekend. And I don't know who decided it was a good idea to make a zoo where everything has hills, all right? Like, you, like in order to get to the lions, I have to climb a hill? It doesn't make sense. Like, why would I do that to myself? But my son wants to see lions, all right? And my son weighs like 70-something pounds. He's a big boy, all right? And so my wife was like, listen, we need to bring a wagon, okay? Uh, because we know Micah's going to get tired, and he's going to need to sit in a wagon so that we can pull him around, all right? So we put Micah in the wagon, and can I just tell you, this arm right here is so swole. Like, I'll let you guys touch it after service. Like, it is just like, like, I've got this huge bulging muscle right now because I'm pulling this wagon, like, going uphill, and, like, Ginger's having to get behind the wagon, and she's like, come on, baby, we can get to the lions, all right? Like, Sometimes, sometimes, y'all, you just need a good, a good spouse to just help push you along the way. They're just going to ride that journey with you, you know. But that, this was just, literally just a side note to complain about how I hate hills, okay. Um, yeah, it was bad. Like, I feel it. Like, I'm like, I got to switch arms. Like, this is not. But here's what I want us to get, guys, is that we don't need to operate. We don't need to start calling God when we get to the most tired parts of our life. But that instead we recognize that from the very beginning there is not a moment that I don't need you, God. There is not a moment that I don't need your strength every morning when I wake up. That every day before I lay my head down that I'm saying, God, thank you for being with me today. I need you tomorrow. I'll see you then. That every time we recognize that. But when we fully embrace our weakness, God's power is able to fully operate unchecked over our lives. God can do more with all of you than he can do with some of you. And so he wants all of you now, not some of you when you get to the burnout. So get that full reliance, get that, uh, that full dependence on God now. The second thing is this, power will always rest on leaders who are open about their weakness. Power will always rest on leaders who are open about their weakness you know, he puts it like this. He talks about boasting in, in weakness. But boast doesn't necessarily mean bragging about it, right? We don't go through and saying like, hey, I don't mean to brag, but I'm really weak, right? But it's, not about, it's not about boasting uh, as in bragging, but instead it puts your weakness on display and it puts it on with joy. 
because we recognize what we're gaining access to when we recognize our weakness. And so an openness of your weaknesses doesn't just force you uh, to rely on God's power. Instead, it also provides an avenue for you to be empowered by other leaders around you. See, we, uh, oftentimes we, we get into this place where I, I, can't, I can't be open about my weaknesses with other people. Because if I were to do that, it would diminish my image, right? And this is a really big thing with pastors right now, is that we get to this place where we're just like, we become, we're, we're trying to get to this larger than life kind of mentality where it's like, if I put any type of weakness on display, I'm losing credibility. I'm losing authority. But can I tell you, man, the things that make me draw closer to a leader is when I see how much they recognize their weakness. Because when we recognize our when we're open about our weaknesses, right? We, t- we already talked about like God's, God's power becomes available and, and, and accessible to our lives right now. But I also believe that when we're open about our weakness, that God places the people in your life to help empower you to keep going. That it's not necessarily just this like, you know, uh, lightning bolt from heaven, jolt Shazam of, of, uh, of power that you get and then you can start walking. Sorry, I'm a nerd. Shazam's coming out too. Anyway, all right. Uh, and so, you know, that all of a sudden we just get this jolt of power to start walking this life. But instead, God brings the right people into your life to empower you and to help walk this life out with you. It provides that avenue of power. And then when you clam up about your weakness... You cheat yourself out of the access to the power that the Lord has for you. That when you decide to keep all that in, when you keep all that to yourself and not, and not share that or, 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 or put that on display for anybody, you're actually denying yourself the power of God in your life because you keep all of that in. Now, uh, this was something that my wife and I had a, a lot of trouble with. You know, if you guys don't know, my son Micah, I've talked about him before. He has something called Fragile X Syndrome. And so uh, last summer, he just started talking, and it's been awesome. Uh, if you guys follow my wife, Ginger Mendoza, on anything, uh, you'll see that, like, not only uh, is he talking, uh, but he's reading. He's four years old, and he's reading, and it's crazy. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and then uh, she posted the other day, if you guys saw, he's, like, quoting scripture now. Like, he's saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13, and we're just sitting there like, what? <laughs> like, it's been awesome. It's been a great ride. But here's, here's where I think everything changed for us. I think everything changed for us when we started inviting people in. See, we were going through this season where uh, Micah was always sick, and because he couldn't talk, we could never figure out what it was that was going on in his body or anything like that. And with Fragile X comes ear infections. Fam, can I just preach ear infections? Like, that is the devil's greatest tool against children, and it is crazy, all right? Like, he, he would get these chronic ear infections. We've had to do, like, three surgeries for, like, tubes and adenoid. Did you know you have adenoids? You had to get, like, adenoidectomies and stuff like that. Like, I mean, it's just, it was just bonkers. And so we're going through all this. We're, we're, we're struggling with this idea that, like, Micah gets really fussy all the time because he can't share what he's saying. So he's, he's, like, making loud noises. It's very distracting. And 
we were just like, no one wants to come into that. No one wants to come and be a part of that. So we're just going to keep this all in. This will be our little crazy life at home. And then we'll do ministry at church. We'll do the hi, how are you? How are you doing? Yes, we're doing great. I'm a pastor. Everything's nice. God bless you. Be favored. You know, like we, we do all the like the hugging people, kissing babies, all of that stuff. And then we go home and we're just like, I hate everything. You know, we're just and we're just we're living these these dual lives, not operating in any power, not operating in in any faith even because we're just like, this is just the lot in life that we've been dealt. And we're just going to have to keep trucking along. But then when finally we, we finally woke up and started granting people access and we were just like, like we literally had to kind of have a this is us kind of moment where we just say, this is us. This is our life. If you're going to hang out with us, uh, this is what it's going to look like. And as we did that, we started recognizing how much people actually loved us. And so what was happening was because we, we were keeping all of that in, we didn't have access to any of that. We didn't have access to any of the love or support that was available to us, but we never knew because we kept it all into ourselves. So when we started inviting people in, we started realizing that not only did people love us, but that God had equipped people to help train up our kid. And we had no idea that now when my son goes to preschool at our church, like we have uh, STEPS workers, meaning STEPS is a, is a special needs program uh, in schools. And so there's teachers that are STEPS teachers that help train kids to work better and be integrated into typical classrooms and things like that. That we actually had STEPS teachers in our preschool classes that started coming alongside Micah and started teaching him and showing him how to do all these things. But we had no idea. When we started to actually open that up, we started realizing the power that we had access to, but we were never tapping into because we were too afraid to be vulnerable with our weaknesses. And so I wondered this morning, what are some, some sources of power? What are some, some things that you haven't been tapping into because you've been keeping all of that bottled up? Like, so, because when you just hang on to that weakness, you miss out. You're robbing yourself of the ability to have power, the ability to be equipped and to be empowered. The last thing is this. A leader's inability is the greatest avenue for the power of God in his or her life. A leader's inability. See, this is, guys, this is so countercultural. Like, as, as I'm learning more and more about this, I'm like, there's a good chance I may write a book just called Weakness or something, because I'm just, I'm really just kind of starting to embrace this thing, because it's, it's just amazing to think that instead of a leader's ability being the thing that elevates them and shows them the, 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 the potential in their life, it's a leader's inability that's the greatest avenue for the power of God. Paul takes this weakness thing to a whole new level, right? So instead of just talking about a specific weakness or a specific thing that uh, he's not good at, right? Instead, this is what he says. He says, that is why I delight in weaknesses. I also delight in insults and in hardships and in persecutions and in difficulties. So it, it goes far beyond 
just this, this one little thing. It goes beyond a single attribute, but instead it moves into hardships, trials, struggles, seasons. I don't know if this is speaking to any of you guys. Like if you're going through uh, not just a, a typical moment or a characteristic about yourself that you're weak in, but you're going through a weak season, like a season of weakness. He shows us that the perspective of the weakness changes when we understand the power that's in it and on the other side of it. And so I, I, I say that in two ways because uh, I've kind of gotten really fed up with this mentality that says, uh, if I can just get through this, if, I can, uh, if, if God will help me get through this, then I will celebrate victory on the other side. And so what we don't recognize is that let's take the Red Sea, for example. Victory did not start when the Israelites got to the other side of the Red Sea. Victory was happening as they walked on dry land through the sea. And so what ends up happening, though, is that we start putting off victory until we get to the other side of calamity. And it's just, that's not the case. We're not meant to put off victory until we get to the other side, but instead recognizing that the other that's in the fire with us, by the way, that song, that United song, it's crazy, it's awesome, I'm singing it every day now. So like, another in the fire, look it up. Uh, so, so recognizing that there's one who's with us, that every step through the struggle, every step through the calamity and through the season is a victory. That victory doesn't wait on the other side, victory is now. Victory in the struggle is the same as victory on the other side. And so we recognize that, that that victory comes now. That as we operate in weakness, as power is, is, is processed and comes through that avenue of weakness, we recognize that victory happens now. And so Paul talks about that, just this idea of, of, of delighting in weakness delighting in struggle and delighting in hardships. But it's hard. It's hard to see the victory when the struggle seems so close. But I love the fact that when we do get to the other side, we actually get to look back and we get to see in a different perspective how God was with us every step every step. I went through this crazy season in my life. We, uh, it'll be six years now that uh, Ginger and I have been in Columbus. Somehow I became the old guy in Columbus. I don't know how that happened as far as youth pastors go here. And, uh, and so coming on six years now this summer and uh, about a, a year and a half, maybe a little more into, uh, into our time here, my dad passed away. And it was this, uh, he was 59 years old. He, we, we know he was, all, he was already sick, but uh, it's one of the things we always thought there was more time. And so we, we went through that season, and, and that, was, that was crazy. And we found out that, uh, that Micah might have uh, autism, and, you know, it ended up being fragile X. So he's kind of just right on the border of the spectrum of autism. And so that was a, a struggle. Then a year a year to the day that my dad had passed away, I was preaching my grandfather, my dad's dad's funeral. So it was just, it was this wild, and then sometime within that, 
time period my car got stolen. Like, I was just like, all right, uh, like, I don't know if there's any other place that the enemy can kick me, like, but I feel like I'm getting kicked right now. And so I remember going through this, this season, and I'm going to focus more just on, on the loss of just with, between my dad and my grandfather for a minute. And I remember going through that time and just really getting to this moment where I had to actually start believing the things that I was preaching. You ever get to those seasons where you know you've, you've been saying things for a long time or you've grown up in church and so you've always said the right Christianese phrases, right, to help you like get through things or to help others get through things, but it's different when you're actually facing those things yourself. And so I'm, I told you my dad passed away a year later to the day I'm preaching my grandfather's funeral. Now, when my dad had passed away, my, my dad's parents, uh, they lived in New Jersey, and so they, they were, but they're up in age, so they're, because of their health, they couldn't physically make the trip down to Georgia to do the funeral. So uh, that week after my dad had passed away, myself, my wife, my sister, uh, my mom, we took a road trip up to New Jersey to just go and, and see my dad's parents, kind of just pay respects and things like that. And in that time, we stayed with my aunt. Now, my grandfather, my grandfather was a pastor in the Spanish church, okay? Uh, now, me, no habla espanol, so sorry, everyone who is the Spanish-speaking culture, I am the black sheep, okay? So, uh, so in that time, we were staying with my, uh, my dad's sister. Her husband took over the Spanish church after my grandfather retired. And so we're sitting around a table and we're just talking, we're swapping ministry stories, and they're just hearing my heart, the things we're doing in Columbus and stuff. And, and, uh, and so it was just really cool just having that connection point uh, with them. So now, flash forward almost a year later, my grandfather passes away. And I get a call from my aunt, whose husband pastors that Spanish church. They said, hey, um, we want you to preach grandpa's funeral. And immediately I'm like, whoa, no, like you're crazy. Not because of like, you know, I don't, I don't want to preach or I was nervous to you, but because I had very little interaction. Like I may have had like two or three deep conversations with my grandfather, like ever. I mean, one of them was super significant, so that was great. But there were so many other people that knew him better, that had better stories to tell, you know, things like that. And I just, you know, I was like, are, are you sure? Like, this seems crazy. But they were like, you know, after we had this conversation, after we talked with you, we just really felt like this is what God wants. And so, so I get up, I, get, I fly up to New Jersey, and, and I'm preaching my grandfather's funeral. Uh, we had to have a translator because, again, no hablo espanolo. And uh, so I'm, I'm preaching this message. I'm telling this story of, of the time I s sat around a table with my grandfather, and he knew that I was doing ministry, and we had... Uh, some other friends who were going into ministry. And my dad was like, my grandfather was one of those uh, like strict Pentecostals, Puerto Rican Pentecostal people. I don't know if you know anybody like that. Um, but uh, anytime like you do anything, like if they would go to like a movie or something, he'd be like, it's no good. It's no good. It's uh, like, you know, just really like everything was a sin kind of thing. Um, but he, uh, he, he sat around the table and he just get, and he pointed out this scripture that Paul writes in Ephesians. He says, um, "Live a life worthy of the calling that you have." And so I was like, "Okay, 
All right. So that was my cool little moment. I got to share that. Um, so I, I, I preached and, and uh, I, uh, we finished and, you know, we end a funeral. Everyone's shaking hands, saying goodbye. And this guy comes up to me. He's just weeping. And, uh, and he says, you remind me so much of your dad. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, how did you know my dad? He's like, um, your dad used to travel with your uncle and preach. And, like, I'd always heard, like, vague stories of, like, my dad being, like, this little evangelist guy. But I never saw that. Never saw it really even as we were growing up. But, like, he said, yeah, man, I haven't. He's like, you just remind me so much of your dad and when he would preach. And, like, immediately I'm just like, uh, like, I just start kind of, like, bawling. Like, that's so amazing. And, uh. And he said, you know, I haven't, I haven't been in church in a really long time. Um, but after hearing what you said, I've given my heart to the Lord today. And so immediately, I'm just, you know, I did the typical, like, oh, praise God, that's awesome. Like, you know, I should have been doing, like, the happy dance, you know, like the, the Luke 15 kind of every, all the angels rejoicing when one comes home, that kind of thing. But it was just in the moment, I was just like, okay, that's, that's awesome. Great. Praise the Lord. Then it, w- it wasn't until, honestly, three weeks ago that I was talking with someone who was going through loss and we were just talking about perspective and how we look at things, that immediately the Holy Spirit just illuminated this crazy process. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk you through this journey for a second because he reminded me, what would I do, Johnny, to get the one? What would I do to get the one? So we go back in time. My dad, who knew the Lord, was very sick constantly doing dialysis. I mean, just this, you know, not, not living his best life in, in any shape or form. How much better is it that he's with me? God, that makes sense. Like there's no better place for him to be than with you. He said, and so I took you on that journey to have that conversation with your aunt and uncle, because I knew that down the line, your grandfather, who was also very sick. I mean, there's there's no, there's no point for him to really even be here anymore. What better place for him to be than with me? Yeah, God, I get that. You're right, that makes sense. And then flash forward to the service. Johnny, did you not think that I saw that one? And yeah, I know, I know you came through struggle. I know it hurt, and I know I, I walked you through hardship. But I brought you here to this place because I love that one. And to the world, that may seem reckless. That may seem like it doesn't make sense. But, but I was with you every step. I walked you th- through that entire thing because I love that one. I love that one. And I asked myself, man, God, I, I never even, that wasn't even a thought. I was just, I was too busy looking at the struggle that was right in front of my face that I couldn't see what you possibly could be doing to try to get the one. So that idea of delighting in weakness, all of a sudden now starts making a little more sense to me. That we look at weakness and we look at struggle and we're like, this is painful and it hurts. And that doesn't change, guys. Delighting in joy does not mean absence of pain. But it's the recognition that God has a plan. And that changes everything. 
then when we realize that things aren't just happening to us by accident or, or by by some crazy uh, coincidence, but that God is actually operating and working and that in our weakness, we are made strong because he is bringing us to the plans and promises and purposes that he has for our life. That three years ago, I couldn't see the one, but God saw the one and he said, here is the journey that I will take you on so that I can get that one. And it may be hurt, it may be struggle, it may be hardship, but guess what? Delight in it. Why? Because I am with you every step of the way. And how awesome is it that I love that one the same way that I love you? And so we take joy. We delight in struggle because we recognize that there's a plan happening. And I love that the end of that verse says, for when I am weak then I am strong because weakness is a prerequisite to strength that you will never be strong until you are weak. When I am weak, then I am strong. So my prayer for you today is that God would help us to be weak leaders with strong leadership. That as we are weak, then we are strong. So Lord, I pray that over us today. I pray that over us, Lord, that we would recognize that a weak leader does not mean weak leadership. That God, as we are weak, as we, as we display weakness, as we demonstrate weakness, Lord, that opens up the door for power to be made real in our lives, in our ministries, in our families. That God, we don't run from weakness because the Bible doesn't even tell us that you took Paul's weakness away. In fact, it says that it remained. And so that our strength doesn't take away the weakness. It just keeps that avenue open for the power of God to be made real and move in our lives. So Lord, I pray today, God, that we would would desire your power to be made real in our lives. Your word tells us that your power is made perfect in our weakness. Therefore, if we're boasting in our strength, your power is imperfect in our lives. So right now we say, God, let your power be made perfect in our lives today. That God, we recognize we have the greatest influence, we have the greatest authority when we are at our weakest. And God, let us rely on you now, not when we get to the other side of burnout, Lord, but let us rely on you now. Let us call upon your name now to develop us and grow us into the people you're calling us to be. I thank you for this group of leaders, Lord that you would just grow them, that you'd continue to surround them with people, Lord, who are already doing this, but will continue to disciple and lead. Thank you that we'd never walk alone. In Jesus' name.